Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Auburn Live podcast, your home for bold, insightful, and honest conversations around Auburn athletics. Hey, before we get going, let's give a quick shout out to our partners here at Auburn Live and the Auburn Live show. First of all, Southeastern, great bar in downtown Auburn, fantastic two-story building, beautiful place, great lounge upstairs, tons of TVs, outdoor seating area, some finger foods and stuff like that as well. Awesome location, downtown Auburn. Go visit Southeastern. Great game day experience, uh, weekend experience. Um, just go check them out, Southeastern, on Magnolia. Other partner, the Irritable Bow Restaurant, also on Magnolia, on the other side uh, of the street in downtown downtown Auburn, down, down Magnolia. Go check them out. Really good Chinese bow uh, food, uh, sh- shrimp shrimp rolls and, and steak, steak and, and, and chicken uh, skewers and um, rice bowls and just a bunch of bunch of good stuff, man. If you've never had Chinese bao, it's really really good. Shout out to our friend Whitley Dykes. Um, they get you in and out really quickly. So if you ever see a line, don't worry, it moves quickly. Go check out the Irritable Bao Restaurant downtown Auburn, and uh, tell them Auburn Live sent you. All right, let's go. Hey, welcome in to another Auburn Live show. Appreciate everybody joining us on this Thursday morning. As we are one day closer to another college football weekend, should be exciting. I am Justin Hokinson. Appreciate everybody tuning in um, as we welcome in a familiar guest from the Volume Sports. Do I say network? The Volume Sports podcast. You can say either or. I mean, you can say it however you want. It's really just kind of you know lost in translation. Yeah, the Volume Sports franchise. I don't yeah, know. there you go. Um, Jake Crane. From the J-Boy Show. Jake, what's up, dude? Oak, what's up, man? Good to talk to you. Glad that the season, you know, we're, we're just had the newborn baby as the season. It's starting to walk a little bit. We're starting to figure out, you know, it's going to be a pain in the ass or not. <laughs> it will be. Um, Jake, man, great to have you on. Jake's are, you know, obviously in the Auburn community, you know Jake um, and his connections. We're, we're glad to have him on when we can to talk some Big picture college football, because that's what he does at the J-Boy Show, focuses on national college football. Obviously, he's in tune with the SEC and Auburn as well. So we'd like to talk Auburn, and we'd like to talk a little college football with him. Um, let's jump right into this thing, man. Auburn, uh, you know, game one under their belt, 60-10 to 10 against Akron. The biggest question I've been asked from people on our message board and, and, and going on shows is really just like, what do you take from the game? And um, my, my, my answer a lot of times has been, well, it, it sort of feels like, you know, a trumped up A-Day game of some sorts. You walk away and you're like, so, you know, what do I take exactly? Do, am I excited or am I, or am I, or should I not be? Um, because Akron is not a good football team. Um, how do you look at that game in terms of what are things that you can point to for Auburn and go, that, that's tr- that can translate? 
And then what do you point to and go, I would, I mean, I hear you, but I wouldn't probably pay much attention to it until let's see what they do against Penn state. And then what's the thing you say, I don't care who they played that, that thing or that thing is good no matter who you play. Like, how do you, how do you take that Auburn win over Akron? Yeah. Well, you know, in any game you can get something out of it. You know, obviously Akron's not the greatest opponent. They're actually a lower tier of the lower tier, but the things I was looking for, number one was organization and communication. Auburn didn't have a ton of penalties. You didn't see procedure penalties. You didn't see guys lining up wrong on defense all the time. You didn't see guys that, uh, you know, offensively, uh, well, we had a penalty. We had too many on the line of scrimmage. Uh, so from an organizational standpoint, guys coming off the sidelines for special teams, the backups coming in for special teams. And there wasn't a ton of reason to panic, but I didn't see any panic getting the play calls in or anything like that. So you love to see that. Uh, it, um, Another thing to me, Hoke, that, that is important to watch is the player's body language. And again, nothing bad really happened, so you haven't seen them against adversity yet. But watching them after good things happen, you know, that they expected it. And it seemed to me like Auburn was much more uniform. Uh, there was a lot of accountability on the field. Guys were staying on blocks. Wide receivers were blocking. So you can take stuff out of that. Uh, I thought Ryan Harson managed the game very well with, with what he did, the backups, getting TJ Finley in and getting him some time. I know there's some questions about that. But, you know, we're not going to know how good this team is up front. And, and that's where you find out uh, how good of a year you're going to have up front on offense or defense until Penn State. We're not going to know it this week. Last week, they were much better personnel up front. The offensive line is the biggest question to me. I watched them. You know, they look good against Akron, but uh, they got to look good against Penn State. You got to look good against teams that have the ability to beat you or that, that are at least worth your salt or even saltier than you are. So if I'm an Auburn fan coming off that game, looking at Bo Nix in the pocket, and I talked to Bo uh, two days ago on the show, we're going to have him weekly. Uh, he seemed very at ease under center. He seemed at ease getting in his drop. He seemed, seemed at ease going through his progression. He wasn't afraid to fight the tight end. The running backs are going to be the running backs. I love the running back passing game that Mike Bobo has. Uh, and, and at the end of the day, Auburn did everything they could in this game. Really possible. I mean, I don't think you could ask for anything better. The defense tackled well in open space. But we're not going to know how good Auburn is up front especially on the offensive side of the ball until week three. So, you know, to me, that's, that's judge, jury, and executioner right there. Yeah. I mean, I agree with a, a lot of what you had to say. It's just, a, it's just such an interesting game, especially Bo Nix. That's probably the biggest question you get is what do you take from that game? I, I think when you go back and watch, if you're really critical, if you go like, go back and look, you know, obviously 20 of 22, right. That's impressive no matter who it is, but if you want to be critical, you can go back and look at some of those completions, and they weren't exactly on target. There was there was a couple that that kind of moved the receiver up the field a little bit. Uh, there was one that was low that Javarius Johnson caught. Like so, you could be critical and say, "Hey, against the SEC, some of those balls that maybe were a little behind or maybe a little little out in front that led uh, a player into the secondary a little bit aren't you're not going to get away with that against the cornerbacks in the league." But I think either way, for Bo, it's it's. The fact that he's – I mean, that that's that's kind of beyond for Bo. Like, that's down the road. For Bo right now, it was confidence, stay in the pocket, look like you have calm feet. I think maybe that maybe one of the biggest plays is something that Harson mentioned after the game with Bo Nix, which was 
um, the one where he he specifically talked about we call the shot, Bo didn't take it. He dumps it down to Tank Bigsby and ends up going for 19 yards. That's a play where, one, Bo could have taken the shot. He could have made a bad decision and thrown it into coverage. Two, he could have run out of the pocket, which he almost did. He started to go and stop. Um, and then he yep. threw to Tank Bigsby. How, how much can you take from that play? I think you know what I'm talking about. How much can you take from that one play? You can take a lot. It's, it's almost like, you know, with, with Bo Nix on that play, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's like Mike Bobo was standing there right next to him about when he took off. and was like, nope, stop. Go to the check down. <laughs> yeah. Like, and, and when you, when you, that's why, again, everybody's like, oh man, they're taking Bo Nix all the way back to his fundamentals on how to do this and how to do that. Well, when you have a new guy in there, especially at that position, sometimes that's the best thing. I mean, we used to have our guys, we'd start them in the locker room and start with tying our shoes. Uh, just, it's, it's a real thing. But if he can do that, not only from a completion percentage efficiency standpoint, but from a drive extending standpoint, because think about it, you know, being able to throw the dump off, whatever it is, and get 19 yards, you know, you're eating up basically two first downs. You're obviously moving the ball forward, but you're keeping yourself out of second 10 or even worse than that. So you're almost double dipping on improving your drive. And it's such small things. There's such small things at that position that unless you're really watching, you don't see. But that is one of the areas that hope me and you've talked about it the whole offseason, whether it's on your show, whether it's on my show with Bo Nix take the next step, would he be able to get to chapter two in the book and realize, guess what? I don't have to do it all. Me dumping the ball off to Tank Bigsby is a lot better situation than me throwing a deep ball into coverage or me trying to extend the play crazily running through the pocket like he did last year or throwing across my body or turning the ball over. So, yeah, I mean, and there is going to come a time in a big game this year, whether it's at LSU, whether it's Georgia at home, whether it's at Penn State, that he has to rely a little bit on the check down or taking the shorter throw to put them in a better position on second down. And the more you do that, it obviously affects the safeties. It affects the corners when, when they're in cover three and stuff like that. Now you start drawing them up a little bit. That's when smash hurts them. That's when sluggo hurts them. That's when the double post hurts them. That's when high, low op hurts them. So it, it's really kind of working it from front to back while having the vertical threat. But you made a point, Hoke. And, and it's a good one, but but I, I kind of look at that in a little different way. There were some balls that both threw uh, that weren't exactly on target. I was really impressed with the wide receivers catching the ball away from their body. That's something, you know, in Auburn in the past, you know, even some young guys, last Kobe Hudson made a nice catch kind of across his body with his hands, knowing he was going to get hit. Guys being able to go down and scoop the ball out of the ground. Because sometimes, and not in that specific instance that you were talking about, in these games against SEC teams, what looks like a bad throw may actually be a good throw and planned to either keep the wide receiver out of danger or put it in a spot where it can't be intercepted. So going forward, seeing the receivers being able to make difficult catches, especially on late downs and drives, is really good. But Hoke, another thing to take from it, the offensive system, I think, is perfect for Bo Nix. You know, a lot of people worried about, and he will bobble a snap from under center, guys. That happens in the NFL. I've watched Tom Brady do it a couple times last year. But, man, did he look comfortable with his eyes downfield and actually getting to go through a progression. It's got to be like a breath of fresh air. It's not, uh-oh, it's not there, panic. It's, oh, it's not there? Well, let's work to number two. Hell, let's work to number three. There's the actual number three. <laughs> there he is. There's Tank Bigsby. We'll take 19 yards. So, having said that, 
what do you think about the receiving core core moving forward? Does it seem like it's a committee thing? I, I, like I look at this receiving core and think that it could be. Gosh, I, I'm not even sure. I'm. I, I would say the leading receiver on Auburn's team probably in the 600 yard range. Um, yeah. And I think you could have a bunch of guys with yardage. You know, I, I'm not sure you're going to have a guy hit 800 yards or even 700. I think it could be 600. You know. 450, 500, 400, so, something like that. But does that help Bo Nix? Does it help the offense? Like, how do you sort of see that receiving core continuing to, to develop as yeah. they go? Yeah, you know, it's it's a great question. I don't – I agree with you. I think it's going to be kind of wide receiver by committee. But as long as, as you have three to four to even five different guys that have the ability to catch the ball – then you're going to be able to keep the defense honest. Now, there may be a guy, like you said, that kind of rises to the top. I would guess that'd be Javarius. That's who I would think. I think he's going to lead in catches. I think in a lot of the quick game stuff, you're going to see him get a lot of the the action, which is how it should be, especially in that slot right there with the way that Bobo wants to do it. But if you got four to five guys that are a threat, you know you've got vertical threats. Uh, Demetrius Robertson's a vertical threat deep. Javarius can be a vertical threat out of the slot, especially when he's on the ball. But as long as you're able to spread it out, both sides, whether guys are field guys or boundary guys or both, if you're able to keep the defense honest, they're not able to really kind of funnel you one way because they know there's only two guys that can catch the ball. I mean, last year was pretty obvious. I mean, Auburn was going to Seth Williams or Anthony Schwartz, so that's who was getting the ball. But being able to spread the love helps any quarterback because, you know, just like business, you never try and pigeonhole yourself. Offensively, you never want to pigeonhole yourself into, you know, one or two things that everybody knows that you're going to do and it's going to go to a specific person. And, I, you know, I, I want to add this note, Hook. I'm really happy for Shedrick Jackson, man. You know, he's a guy that everybody's been waiting on. We, we know that lineage in the Bo Jackson family. Uh, he's a guy that's been through some adversity and watching him have some success. I hope it leads to more success for him because he's stuck around. He could have ducked out a long time ago and, and made an excuse for this, that, and the other, but he did the exact opposite. He came out and did what he had to do. So I was happy for him. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's a guy that um, has been called reliable more than once by Brian Harson, And that's all he wants from that crew right now. All they're looking for is reliability, learn your position, learn the ins and outs of playing wide out and, and the rest will come. Um, I am, by the way, you mentioned the D threat. I think that is interesting to see who develops as that because, you know, we, we, we talk about under Gus, it seems like that's all you had back shoulder fade or some deep ball. Um, And and, and now, you know, it, it, you've got, I mean, Robertson's got the speed. Johnson's got the speed. Um, You know, they, they hit Shedrick on the post. They hit Javaris, which is a great, great play that that kind of motion and play action and that was like a that was like a, a typical gust play there was so much stuff going on the safety had no idea where to look and 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 johnson went behind him but the deep threat i am interested to see maybe who develops um as as a as a deep threat down the sideline or sort of how they get vertical um and and, and so that'll be something to watch um we briefly mentioned the tight end that'll be that'll be interesting to watch as well so i think i think the offense is a work a work in progress, but certainly a lot cleaner and sharper than I think we uh, I think we thought. So, having said that, you know we've talked about the defense being being probably the group that's going to have to anchor that team. Um, I mean, they look pretty good. Um, that pass yeah. rush, Akron was so bad. It's so hard to have these conversations. But but I'm but I'm, but that pass rush looks that pass rush looks top tier in the SEC. I mean, if you bring yeah. Melo Height into the mix who looks really good as a young player right there in that first game. He, he looks the part of a speed guy 
And Moultrie, if he keeps, you know, if he's kind of the lights come on for TD Moultrie, and and and, and you're you're not even talking about Derek Hall or you know Papo can bring rush in the passer or whatever. I mean, yeah. that Colby Wooden. I mean, that pass rush looks like an elite type of pass rush in the SEC. Am I am I yeah. am I wrong, or is that going to be the no. strong point? No, and and we kind of knew Auburn was going to be, you know, the defense we felt like was going to be more elite than the offense. And, you know, I want to say something, Hoke, I want to ask you something before I get into this. Yeah. Auburn looked a lot stronger and and bigger on Saturday. You know, they just looked physically a little bit different, like like that we're kind of used to seeing. I mean, uh, Derek Hall looks about as good as you're going to see a guy coming off the edge like that. I mean, that's that's a guy I I tweeted out during the summer with Nick Eason. I think he may be the guy that benefits the most. I think Derek Hall has a chance to make a lot of money. But Marcus Harris is another guy. And for a couple reasons. You know, he's got that kind of wide body frame and those wide hips, but, man, he can turn. And a lot of guys can't do that. I think he's going to end up being a hell of a player in the SEC. You know, T.D. Moultrie, as long as he can stay on sides, he'll be all right. Uh, Last year, I mean, he he jumped off sides more than Owen Wilson and behind enemy lines, but that's a story (laughs) for another day. But Auburn's defense has a chance to be, I think, top four, top five in the SEC. What I liked was the open field tackling. That's Mm -hmm. what I liked. And early in the year, you kind of worry about that because guys are so hungry to go make a tackle. They're a little bit out of control. Auburn seemed very mature on defense for a first game. I love the rotation in the secondary and it shows you with Derek Mason being up in the box. They have a ton of faith in those defensive assistants to keep the sideline under control, to keep the guys under control and to relay the information that coach Mason and the guys from the box are getting down to the players. That shows, that shows great reliability and organization within the defensive side of the program, which is something you always want. But from a personnel standpoint, Auburn's defense has a chance, I think, to be pretty daggum good. Uh, very excited to see, like I said, the different combinations that they were playing with. Uh, you saw a little mix. I thought they kept it base for most of the game on defense because you they could against Akron. I'm, I'm going to be interested to see how they play, not Alabama State, but Penn State. When Penn State gets in their jumbo stuff, I want to see how they adjust to that. Are they going to play a wide nine? Uh, are they going to play a seven? You know, are they going to try and run some three down stuff and have Tony Fair there at the zero and try to just muck everything up inside? So the Auburn defense is, is going to be pretty successful this year. But I like the maturity and organization that I saw. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, I like your comments on on Marcus Harris. He he's a versatile player that that the 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 coaches and Derek Mason said that he can kind of play everywhere, and they're probably going to need him to with the lack of depth on defensive tackle for Auburn and um and and just just overall depth. They're probably going to need him to bounce around, but that pass rush looks pretty pretty fierce. We don't know about the secondary. We think it's really good, um, but they're not going to They're not going to get tested against Alabama State. And, and so, you know, I guess they'll get, you know, really uh, their first shot against Penn State against a, a better team and to see what that secondary is all about. They should get back Ladarius Tennyson and Jalen Simpson this week against Alabama State. Those are two good players that add quality depth as well. So secondary will get a little bit 
we'll get a little bit stronger. Um, all right, let's move away from Auburn a little bit. Um, Auburn's one and zero. They're going to be two and zero. The Penn State game is kind of their their opener. Let's talk big picture SEC. Um, Alabama did what we thought they would do, um, which is dominate uh, Miami. And you know Georgia Clemson was uh, was a fantastic game. Was a was a struggle. Um, those defenses look pretty nasty. Let's start there. Where are those? So the defenses are really good. We know that. Somebody asked me, you know, hey, is there are the defenses that good or are the offenses bad? I think the defenses are that good, but I also think, you know, I wonder in a game like that where you have two good defenses, how much was each team playing into their defense? Versus, you know, you're in that game and you're going, okay, <laughs> our defense is awesome. So let's not like let's not do anything crazy because their defense is good. Let's not take any chances. Let's win this game, even if it's 10 to 3. Versus if you thought, hey, we have to score 20. I don't care what their defense is like, we're gonna have to go score 20. Could could there have been more points scored? What was your take on that game? Were, were the offenses trying to do everything they could, or do you think maybe there was a little bit of drawing it back on the offense because both teams mm-hmm. knew their defense was so good? Yeah, you know, I Every game is circumstantial uh, that you play, and I think you had different things going on. On Clemson's side, they realized very quickly they were overwhelmed up front, that that front seven for Georgia was going to be a huge problem, and they were. I mean, Jordan Davis, who I still believe is straight out of Mordor until somebody that can convince me otherwise, uh, was unbelievable up front. I mean, he's you know two gaps just by himself. And they realized that their quarterback was a little bit shook. If you looked at DJ, anybody could tell his clock was off. And, you know, Justin Ross was limited. Uh, they, don't ha- they, didn't, they don't have the same weapons that they had a cup for the last couple of years. I mean, DJ got all this hype, and, uh, and he's going to be a good player. He's going to be fine. But he's not Trevor. And Shipley's not ETN. And Justin Ross wasn't 100%. And Clemson realized, hey, because if you look, Clemson wasn't taking vertical shots either, Hoke. Like they, they, it was a lot of short game and they Georgia started realizing, Hey, when we blitz, they're just going to throw the hot. That's why the Smith kid was able to jump in front of the slant, uh, which is basically the hot throw on a, on a blitz and backer and take it the whole way because DJ was staring them down and that's all they were doing. So Clemson, it was a function of how their offense was playing. And they realized that defensively they were in the game. They were playing really well, even without Tyler Davis up front, even with Skowski having a shoulder, uh, they were able to play. On Georgia's side, it was a little bit different because they had they were missing most of their weapons. I mean, you know, we all know Pickens and Gilbert, that situation, but no Dar- Darnell Washington, no Kiaris Jackson, Burton's beat up, Blaylock's beat up. Uh, they really had nobody outside of Bowers that were able to, to – they were able to rely on, and he's a young guy at tight end. So mm-hmm. I think Kirby made the conscious decision about halfway through the second quarter that – we're gonna. We're not gonna throw it vertical. We're gonna throw short game and run the ball. Because if you look too, you know, Clemson did a lot of, of rush three, drop eight. You know, there, there wasn't a, there wasn't a lot down the field for Georgia, and Clemson was good enough to be able to survive against the run for a while, only rushing three and playing really a three man down front and, and dropping eight. So it was two different reasons. I think Georgia's offense will get better once they get these weapons back. Obviously, you know, six in one hand, half a dozen in the other. Uh, but I think it's always circumstantial as for two different reasons. And those were two daggum good defenses out there on the field, Hoke. I mean, there's NFL guys running all over those defenses. Georgia without the weapons, Clemson with the struggles at quarterback and the offensive line, because Clemson couldn't run the ball. They couldn't run it. Georgia took the run away. And DJ was a little bit shook, like Papa Doc in the last round versus Eminem in eight miles. So uh, that's just kind of how the game went. Yeah. The, 
Georgia's defense is nasty. Um, They're nasty. And, and Alabama's defense is, is nasty as well. I mean, they are one of their better units. And obviously covering Auburn, I watch games, especially Georgia, Alabama, whoever. And I think about, okay, how's Auburn going to match up? So it doesn't matter what Auburn – okay, Auburn beats Akron 60-10. to 10. Well, I'm still looking at that Georgia game or, you know, and going, okay, so Auburn's going to have Akron and Alabama State and Georgia State under their belt. They're going to have Penn State and LSU. So they have five games, but they're only going to have two, you know, quality yeah. opponents under their belt before Georgia comes to town. And uh, whew, what a monster game that's going to be. So Georgia, I mean, Georgia and Alabama after that first week, it's hard to say they're not the massive favorites yeah. to be in Atlanta. Like even more so almost than than uh, than past years. They've been the best two teams, but um, – People were talking up A and M and Florida's in there, but but after after week one, it almost looks like they're more of a favorite to make it to Atlanta this year than they have been in years past. Yeah, surprise, surprise, surprise. Georgia yeah. and Alabama again, guys. Alabama looked to me and listen. I know Miami's not a juggernaut. Uh, they're horrible in the front seven on defense. De'Ara King was you know running for his life, uh, but. Alabama's Are they fourteenth though? Did you think fourteenth was a good ranking? Hell no. no. Okay. No, I never thought they were 14. Okay. Um, I, I think they're going to struggle in the ACC, to be honest with you, uh, especially after they lost Roche and Jaden Phillips off the edge last year. People don't realize how good those two DNs were. And we still don't know about Auburn yet. We don't know. We'll know after Penn State, at least up front. If they can go up to Happy Valley and sneak one out and then can go down to Death Valley with an LSU team that is in absolute disarray right now and win that and be 5-0 and playing Georgia at home, Seen some crazy stuff happen to Jordan Hare, but that defensive line versus Auburn's offensive line matchup is not one where, as an Auburn fan, you feel great about it. Uh, no, no, not at all. And you know, we'll we'll find out in that Penn State game. I think Penn State's defense is is, is pretty salty. Um, but yeah, man, it looks like it's just Georgia and Alabama again. Um, and in what could be maybe their one of their best matchups. But it it does feel I don't know. Maybe I'm buying in a little bit to the Georgia hype. Um but it does feel like this could be a different year. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, Georgia gets those weapons back, but I like, I don't know. I I think if I were Georgia and and we're talking a long way away, but I would like the opportunity to play Alabama and Bryce young. And I don't know something, some about it. They might be right. It might be their year to knock off um, Alabama. What what were some of your other uh, takeaways um, in the sec? A&M kind of messed around a little bit and then pulled away LSU goes to UCLA and gets beat by – now, LSU's taking a lot of grief. Maybe UCLA's not bad. I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, LSU should have gone and maybe – I mean, one time they were down by like 18 or whatever that was. Um, UCLA might be a decent football team this year. They might surprise, but perception-wise, not great for for LSU. They're the big loser in the SEC in week one. Yeah, and, you know, the thing about the LSU, if you just got flat-out beat, you know, if they just had better players than you – that's one thing. And I don't think UCLA is a bad team. I still don't believe in the quarterback. I, they were so bad schematically, Hoke. They, they could barely line up. The defensive line, like I said in, in you know, during my show, played higher than the front row of a Bob Marley concert. And in the back end, they never made any adjustments. I've never seen so many guys try and tackle with their head over their feet, not wrap up. not use, they're, just a, they're a poorly coached team. I think there's something going on in that locker room. I don't know how much accountability there is in that locker room, but there's something deeply wrong with LSU. And I think Edo's gone. I mean, Charbonnet looked great and all that, but LSU 
just from a coaching standpoint and just from an overall team standpoint, is not a good football team. Looking around the rest of the SEC, Kentucky, you know, looks like it looks like a you know somebody that lost eighty pounds on like Nutraslim or something like that, and, and look a whole lot better. And like you know, they're out running every morning and stuff. Somebody told them they could throw a Ford pass. I had him finishing second in the East. I don't believe in Florida. I, Emory Jones basically got pulled, and I don't think Anthony Richardson can throw them to a win. They've got a big problem down there. Uh, something we kind of foreshadowed a little bit coming into the year. Arkansas still not there from a personnel standpoint. Ole Miss is going to be hell on offense. Defensively, they're going to be a little bit better because they couldn't be any worse. Uh, but I still don't think they're stopping anybody that has a pulse. So just looking around the league, a lot of it's kind of like what we thought. Um, you know, but you look at Alabama and Georgia again, and, and you got to say those are the two most elite teams. Once everybody has played somebody, then I'll have a much better feel on it. Yeah, so Alabama and Georgia are at the top. So after one week, stock up, stock down. Take Alabama and Georgia out of the equation. Who are you looking at going, oh, okay, all right, okay. Maybe they, they just – they look – maybe they stock up. And who's like, yeah, hey, stock down. Well, stock up Kentucky. Um, I, I would say stock up Ole Miss just because the defense is a little bit better and Louisville has a heartbeat. So, you know, it wasn't like the other ones. So the biggest stock down, obviously, LSU. I thought Mississippi State didn't come out very fired up in the first half. They came back and won. La Tech's not terrible, but that wasn't a good look. Uh, the, the Vandy, as how far down oh, can the boy. stock go? Um, they're, they're in how run. Do we, can right we now. just remove them already? Just I, mean, put, I said just put them on the raft and float them down the river. It's like I don't care how good you are in badminton and Jeopardy, and all this other stuff, that is an embarrassment. They should be embarrassed. They should be relegated to, I don't know, the AAC or something. You talk about the so, black sheep of the family, man. They, mean, they, they, well, like I said, they're the, person that, they're the family member that you have to invite to, like, the family gathering. That They never bring any beer or any food, and they're just, like, you know, think they're smarter than everybody, and it just, nobody really likes them, but we're like, hey, you know, he went to Stanford. So, you know, tell tell Don to come on over, you know, whatever. So that they're an embarrassment. They're, they I feel bad. I mean, no Clark, from the league. And Clark Lee, right? So he it's his first year there, Vanderbilt alum. And I'm just like, what is that guy thinking, right? Like, I he get yeah. he played there, so he's probably thinking, hey, this is my school. But, man, I cannot imagine taking that job and you lose your first game to East Tennessee State bad. And you're like, yeah, how, I wonder how that coach's show went. Yeah, nobody at the game, and you're just like, what am I doing? Yeah. What am I it's doing? Like, you, yeah. like, yeah, I think they'd lose to Brentwood Academy, but that's just me. Oh my gosh. So Vanderbilt, oh, they're they're uh they're 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 killing us. If you beat Vanderbilt, you don't get to say you won an SEC game. You don't no, well, get to I took say, Well, we got an SEC win. No, no, no. Yeah, I, I took Vanderbilt under three and a half wins for the year, and man, that one's looking pretty good. Golly, there's that's so sad. Um, and it, I, to it, the further we are from James Franklin, the more I am blown away Dude. at what he did there. It may be the greatest coaching job ever. That and Spurrier winning 33 games at South Carolina in three years. That's pretty impressive, too. Yes, that stretch when South, yes, that stretch of Spurrier in South Carolina was, was amazing as well. That right there, uh, made the title game in 2010. Um, Man, well, I appreciate it. Appreciate you joining us, man. You know, look, it'll be another fun, fun game. So, what are the games? Give me a little preview, quick preview this weekend in the SEC. Um, mm. Auburn's got another cupcake, but is it is it a cupcake weekend? Is that what we're looking at? Kentucky, Missouri is interesting, right? Man, Kentucky. Who'd have thought? Hope four or five years ago, we'd be saying Kentucky, Missouri, week two. Yeah. Let's go get it, boys. It actually matters a little bit. Uh, it wouldn't just be the Flint, Michigan Mega Bowl. We've got that. 
We've got Oregon, Ohio State in a oh, game yeah, that yeah, I think yeah. is a referendum for the Pac-12. We've got Texas and Arkansas, a little preview of a new SEC team. Where is that? Man, game? I hope Arkansas. God, Hoke, I don't mean to cuss on here, but I hope Arkansas whips their ass, man. I, I really, that, I really hope they're calling. I don't think, I don't think KJ Jefferson can throw his way out of a paper bag yet. But I mean, I just if they can keep it close, it's in Fayetteville. If they can just keep it close, Texas, the, the key number, Texas needs two turnovers. Arkansas needs a big special teams play. Um, that was one I'm really looking forward to. I mean, Bama Mercer is going to be a great – no, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah. You know, looking around the rest of the league, kind of around the rest of the country. I mean, I'm just – you know, I'm glad it's back. There's some other good matchups, but those would be the three that kind of bubble to the top for me. Yeah, Ohio State-Oregon should be a really a really fun game. A lot of people thinking maybe Oregon could pull an upset there. Ohio State looked really solid again. Um, and, and so that'll be that'll be a big one. Yeah, you're right. That'll be a big one. And then Arkansas, yeah, that you got to think that's going to be close, man. Texas' second game under a new coach on the road. Pittman's been there a year. They're going to fight. Um, you know, it, it'll be a game for a half. I mean, we'll, yeah. we'll see where Well, it goes Arkansas – Arkansas Twitter has just been losing their minds for the past two days. I've just been watching this and that, that place is going to be electricity on wow. Saturday. They want it so bad. It's the biggest thing to happen in Arkansas since Walmart. No, it is a big one. I don't know when the last time they had a, you know, a game where they're like, okay, we're one and O or when was the last time they played a big game and had any optimism whatsoever going into the game. It's been a while. It has been. It's like the the lady on the Titanic. You know, it's been eighty four years. Man, it's been a long time. So that'll be interesting. Okay, I don't, yeah, that'll be a that'll be a a good one um, as well. All right, man. I appreciate you joining us. Um, we've had a lot of fun. Uh, we'll have you on again next week to talk talk some ball and, and for sure next week because Auburn Auburn the season gets rolling for Auburn a- after next week. They've got 10 games left, five are against top 20 teams, four after next week, four of Auburn's top. After next week, four of Auburn's remaining 10 are currently in the top 10 right now. Ooh, uh, welcome to the show. So it's about to get real. You got Georgia State in there right after Penn State, but then and then after that, it is gauntlet city for the rest of the year. So um, one more game, and then and then and then you better be up to speed on that on-ramp. You better be hitting 80 miles That's an hour. That's very true. Very well, true. Appreciate it, man. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey, anytime, Hoke. I appreciate it, buddy. Y'all are doing a great job. And just uh, let me know when you want me. You know, I'm going to get you all mine, too. Yes. Love to, love to be on. Love to be on. And hey, well, real quick, the NIL deals. So what, what's up with that? So you have Bryce Young, you signed Bo Nix. Yeah. You so, got a bunch uh, of quarterbacks well, so, going on. Yeah. So uh, the Bryce Young, me and him are going to do a separate show uh, okay. that's going to be on the volume. So it'll be me and Bryce Young doing a show weekly. Nice. And then the, the other ones, we just signed Bo Nix. Connor Basilak, the quarterback from Missouri, Kiaris Jackson and Jamari Sawyer from Georgia, Todd Harris from LSU, uh, Jordan Battle from Alabama, the starting safety. So we're going to be talking a lot with the and Jalen Watermeyer, the monster tight end from AM, which that's yeah. pretty cool. And so we're going to be bringing them on. And I, I just want to bring, you know, a different perspective to it and, and kind of get guys, you know, that now that NIL is open and, and they're able to kind of be more out there. Uh, just give them a platform to take our audience kind of, you know, even deeper into the game and let, let them kind of experience what these guys experience. So uh, we're live every weekday from three to four Eastern, two to three central on the volume YouTube channel, Apple podcast, Spotify, all that good stuff, man. Awesome. Appreciate you joining us, man. And we'll get you on again next week. All right. Hope keep, get, keep uh, stay safe out there, man. It's always great to talk to you. All right. Sounds good. Thank you everybody for joining us and uh, we'll be back tomorrow. See ya.
It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.